Thank you for listening to Sermon Audio from Hill City Church in Springfield, Missouri. We are a community of believers who exist to glorify God by making disciples who bring gospel restoration to our city and world. For more information about Hill City or to support our ministry, you can find us online at hillcitysgf.org. Let's go to Exodus chapter 14. So we've been walking through this series called Redemption Through History, following this nation of Israel um, that God is creating. And last week we took us, uh, God had taken them, a whole family of them, to Egypt. They were in Egypt 400 years. While they're in Egypt, they grow to this multiple, this big multitude of people, over a million people. The problem is they became slaves in Egypt. Well, Moses was sent as a deliverer to come deliver Israel out of Egypt. And Pharaoh wouldn't let him go. And there's this whole drama that unfolded last week with all these plagues. And finally, Pharaoh says, all right, go. I don't want you here any longer. And so I want you to picture this. Over a million people leaving Egypt on foot, carrying whatever they could carry, whatever livestock they have, they're, they're leaving behind them. And you have this mass herd of people who are on a journey. And so today, we're going to go on this journey with them. And we're going to walk alongside them for a few months, and we're going to see what is God doing here? Like, what's the why behind all the things that God is doing to deliver them? Now, we have a very, this is a very young hour, this 11 o'clock. So, a long time ago, Siri did not exist, okay? No, you're like, what? No, Siri was not created when God created everything, all right? And we had this thing called Maps. And so if you wanted to drive somewhere, you didn't know where you are going, you would have to get out a map. It's a, it's a piece of paper. And I'm sorry, I'm just, you guys are so much fun to talk to. Like, and right, we go on this journey, right? And, and these maps were there. And so sometimes about maps, it's like, okay, I know I'm supposed to go here, but am I going the right direction? So what along the side of the road were these signposts, these markers that would say, hey, this is so many miles away, like you're going the right direction. Give a highway number. Okay, I'm on the right place. Well, today, here's what I want us to do. I want us to pay attention to the signpost or to the markers that we're going to find as we go along this journey today, because the goal is that these, this signpost, these markers might be a signpost for us. Exodus chapter 14, verse 10. Let's look at it. So Israel, or Pharaoh said, okay, Israel, go. Get out of my land. And so they start walking, but Pharaoh changes his mind. And he says to the army, hey, uh, go after him. Go kill him. I'm not letting him escape. We're going we're gonna to kill these Israelites. So that's what's happening. So Pharaoh draws near with his big army. And the people of Israel lifted up their eyes. And behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. And they feared greatly. This is a massive army coming towards them. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? That's a little sarcasm. Like, Moses, what are you doing here? Like, are, are they out of graves in Egypt and it's just easier to lead us out here and they can bury us in the desert? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what you said? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? We said, leave us alone that we may just serve the Egyptians. Remember, they were slaves. For it would, better, it would have been better to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. You're not going to do it, Israel. He will do it. 
For the Egyptians who you've seen today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Look at some of those words. If you're underlining your Bible, I'd underline 13 and 14. Look at some of the things. Fear not. Stand firm. See the salvation. I will work for you. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. And so as they're leaving Egypt, we have this big drama that unfolds where Pharaoh's chasing them and they cry out like, what's going on? We, we might as well have just died in Egypt. And they come up to the Red Sea and God parts the Red Sea. You guys heard it, the Exodus. And they go through the Red Sea and pass through and then here comes the Egyptians after them. The waves come and kill the Egyptian army and they float to the top. And here's the question we got to wrestle with. Why all the drama? Like why not God just say, Pharaoh says, all right, get out. And so they just walk on this journey and walk around the sea and just live happily ever after. Why the drama? Well, here's why. And it's our first signpost Along the way, the whole reason for the exodus, for the whole like Red Sea and parting, was that Israel would trust in God's providence. Here's what God's saying to Israel. Israel, fear not. Stand firm. I will save you. I will fight for you. Israel, shut up. That's my way of saying it. You have only to be silent. Israel, shut up. I will do it. I will work. Trust me. And the whole reason God parted the Red Sea and that Israel could pass through and then all that goes on is they look back and be a big signpost that says, oh, oh, trust God? And so our first signpost marker is trust God. Trust in his providence. He will fight for you. Jump over to Exodus chapter 16. We're going to cover some ground today. We're walking on this journey. So we're a couple of months now from this. They've been walking. They're walking through this desert. And they set out from Elam in chapter 16, verse 1. And the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month. So two months, 15 days in on their journey. After they departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, you know, recognize this, they just said it earlier. Would, would that we have died by the hands of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we set by meat pots and ate bread to full. For you have brought us out in the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Here's, the way, here's what they just said. Why wouldn't God just let us die in Egypt? At least we had food in our bellies there. We may have been slaves. They may have treated us terribly. But at the end of the day, we had something to eat. Why would God lead us out here? I know Moses is supposed to lead us this promised land that God says he has. For. Here's the deal. Slavery's better because we have something to eat. And they start crying out to God and grumbling about it. Verse 11 of chapter 16. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. And you say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat. And in the morning you shall be filled with bread. 
Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. If you underline things, you might underline that. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. And so here's what happens. Israel wakes up the next morning, and they go out, and all over the ground is this flaky, uh, think pie crust looking thing that's bread. And they just walk out, and they're like, what's this? And they pick it up, and they start eating, and it's like, it's bread. And then later that night, these birds would fall down from the sky. It's called quail, which if you ever had quail, it's just a awesome, like put on a barbecue, fried, it doesn't matter, it's just good stuff. And that would come in the night. So Israel cries out to God, God, what are you doing here? Why would you do this to us? Why bring us out here? We're just going to die of hunger. And God's like, okay, here, every morning walk out, here's bread. Every night, here's some birds. Exodus 16, verse 35, jump down a little bit. So the people of Israel ate the manna for 40 years. That manna is that food. Till they came to a habitable, I can't say it, land. They ate the manna till they came to the border of the land of Canaan. Now, side note, we're going to fast forward a little bit here and then we'll come back. They're going to get this provision for the next 40 years. Every day for the next 40 years, bread and meat. Now, this journey right now is not supposed to take 40 years. It's supposed to be a few months. The reason it takes 40 years is in a little bit they're going to rebel against God. And so because of that, they're going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. I want you to see this. Even in the midst of their rebellion, God still will provide their need. It's not like God had planned and said, okay, I've got about three months ration. And as long as Israel can get there in three months, we're good. No, they're going to rebel. It's going to take them 40 years. God's like, I will provide this. Now, here's the question. Walking on our journey. What's the point of food in the wilderness? What's the point of God supplying all this food uh, for them? It kind of seems like a random part in the story. Why not just let them go through the desert and find a deer and shoot it and eat? It's a signpost. Israel, trust in God. Israel, you can trust me. I will save you. I will fight for you. I will work for you. Trust in me. Chapter 17, verse 1. Keep going on the journey. All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages according to the commandment of the Lord. So they're walking on and camped at a location, but there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us some water to drink. And Moses said to the people, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people who thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses and said, you're going to recognize this, why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? Moses, in Egypt we had water, and now you brought us out, and you're going to kill us? So my, Moses cried out to the Lord, what shall I do with this people Parents, you ever pray that prayer? <laughs> what do I do with them? They're almost ready to stone me. And so what's going to happen is God's going to tell Moses, here's what you're going to do, you're going to hit a rock and water's going to come out. Verse 17, or chapter 17, verse 7, and he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the quarreling of the people of Israel. And because they tested the Lord, saying, 
is the Lord among us or not? So they've just walked through, think about this, a sea that was parted and seen their enemy destroyed after they went through. They've just wake up every morning and have bread laying on the ground and birds fly out of the sky at night. And God's provided. And here's their question. Is God among us? What's the purpose of the water? Why couldn't a God have just led them to the desert to a stream and they could have jumped down? Oh, there's some water to drink. What's the purpose of water coming from a rock? You ready? A signpost. Trust in God. Israel, trust me. Israel, I will save you. Israel, I will fight for you. Israel, I will provide for you. Trust me. It's a signpost to point them to trust in God. So the purpose of this exodus, of this journey, as they're traveling, all these purposes point back to teach them that God is the one that sustains them. And they have this promise from Abraham. God says to Abraham, I'll give you a son. That's already happened. I'll give you a nation. We have this group of people. Out of this nation will come a land. That's where they're going. And out of this land and out of this nation will come a savior. Israel, trust me. I know what I'm doing. Is God even with us? Chapter 19 of Exodus. They keep walking. On the third moon, after the people of Israel had gone out of the land, so about three months in, on that day they came to the wilderness of Sinai, which is a big mountain, and they set out from Rephidim, Rephidim, came to the wilderness of Sinai, and they camped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountain, while Moses went up to God. So Israel's at the base of the mountain. Moses goes up on the mountain because God and his glory is going to come down there. The Lord called out to him on the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, that's Israel, tell them people of Israel, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians. Hey, Israel, uh, hey, remember? And how I bore you on eagles' wings. Remember, Israel, I'm the one that sustained you all the way through and brought you to myself. Like, Israel, you've seen the plagues. You've seen what I did to Pharaoh. I led you. I protected you. You crossed the Red Sea. I gave you food. I gave you water. I'm going to give you something else. Israel, trust me. They're all signposts to point to me. Verse 5. Now, therefore, Israel, if you will obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and holy nation. So God says, Israel, I've led you to here. Trust me, and as you trust me, I'm going to make you a kingdom of priests. Now, I could do a whole sermon on that. The point of a priest is to be a representative between God to the people. Here's what God's saying to Israel. Israel, we're going to set you up here, and you're going to be my people, and your job is to show the world who I am. No one at this point has knowledge of God. Your job is to show the world to be a kingdom of priests. I'm going to count you holy. And you show them who this God is. Verse 7. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. Okay, we, we believe, Moses. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud. I'm going to come down this mountain. It's going to be a crazy 
crazy scene. Why am I going to do that? That the people may hear when I speak with you. And may also believe you forever. When Moses told these words to the people of the Lord, verse 10, the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments. Like, you better prepare yourself because I'm getting ready to come down. And be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. So God's led him to this mountain. Here's what God tells Moses. I'm going to come down this mountain and I'm going to do it in a way that where the people can see the smoke and the fire and the clouds and they're going to hear this noise coming from the top of the mountain. And why am I doing this, Moses? Because here's the deal. God could have went to Moses one-on-one in a little tent and said, all right, here's what I want you to tell him. Boom. He's not going to do that. He's going to come down to the people. Why? A signpost. Israel, trust me. I will provide. I will fight for you. I will bring you salvation. Israel, shut up. And so, a couple days later, they come, and sure enough, God comes down on this mountain, and he, and he comes to Moses, and he delivers to Moses what we call the Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20, verse 1. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Israel, remember me? Remember me? I'm the one that sustained you out of the house of slavery. And then he's going to give them their first command. You shall have no other gods before me. And so God gives them what we call the law. The law are the commands of God. And this law is God's way of showing, here's my design for creation. Here's how you're called to live. Here's what the kingdom of God looks like. And it starts with 10, and if you'll put the slide up on the screen, you can see the 10 commandments that God gives them. And now, as you go throughout the Bible, God's going to build on these commands, but every command points back to one of these commands. And so this is kind of that foundational thing, and the rest of the Bible will flesh this out. But God gives them these commands, if you'll notice, I don't have time to get into it, the first four are commands that are vertical, meaning they deal with God's relationship to the people. Have no other gods, don't make idols, don't take the name of the Lord. The other ones are horizontal, side to side, deal with human relationships, don't kill, don't steal, don't covet. Now, here's what I want, to, want us to wrestle with today, because where we are is maybe one of the most misunderstood things of all of Christianity in the Bible. You have all these signposts that have been coming that have said, Israel, trust in me, I will save you, I will provide for you, I'll fight for you. Boom, we've been going down this list, and now all of a sudden we get to this list of rules, this list of commands And so the whole time God's been leading them to trust in him. And now here's the thing that throws people off. Well, now, okay, let me wrap my head around this. God's been telling them it's not about what you do. I've done everything. And now he's going to give them a bunch of rules to follow. And he knows they can't follow him. So they can earn his favor? Like, that's not consistent. They didn't earn his favor getting out of Egypt. They didn't earn his favor with with the bread, with the with the, uh, the water, none of that was then earning, and now God's going to give them a law, commands, 
and he's going to say, do this, and then I'll love you? That doesn't seem consistent. See, everywhere else in the Bible, salvation is promised free. But many people think, but here at the law, it's not free. They get salvation by earning it. When all along God said, Israel, I will fight for you. I will save you. Well, now you're telling them, God, follow a bunch of rules and you can be saved. And you're like, that doesn't make sense. That's right, because you're misunderstanding it. So let's think about this. Covenant with Abraham. God says to Abraham, uh, Abraham, I'm going to do something in you. There's going to be some great promises. Okay, and he says says in verse 5, and he brought him, this is Genesis chapter 15, brought Abram outside and said, Abraham, look up to heaven. You see all these stars. Hey, Abram, if you're able to number them, so shall your kids be, so shall offspring be. And here's what it says, and he, Abraham, believed the Lord, and he counted it, God counted it to him as righteousness. All right, here's what that means. Abraham, I'm going to do all these things in you, and it's going to save the, the people of the world. It's going to bring Jesus. Well, God didn't watch to see, okay, did Abraham follow all these things that I told him to do? Okay, yes, okay, now you're counted righteous. I'm going to save you. No, here's what it says. Abraham, I have a promise for you. It's all these things. Abraham say, okay, God, I believe you. Boom, you're counted righteous, Abraham, because you believe me. It had nothing to do with what he did. Let's fast forward. Jesus comes. That's the gospel we preach to you every day. Jesus comes on the scene, dies on a cross for us, and here's what Ephesians 2 says. By grace you have been saved through faith. It's not a result of work so that no one should boast. Like it's not your own doing. You did not earn this. So here's what we preach to you all the time. Salvation comes by believing in Jesus and God declares you righteous. It's not an amount of works. It's not about what you do. So here's the confusing thing. If Abraham was justified by faith and we are justified or saved by faith, right here in the middle, why did God just give Israel a bunch of commandments and say, do these and you will be saved? To where I said the law or the commands are one of the most misunderstood parts of the Bible. So here's the question. Was the covenant with Israel, this law, all about Israel earning their righteousness? That's what most people believe. If you ask most people, how is Israel saved? Following the law. So that makes following the law that salvation is not a free gift but it's a result of obeying the law, which is false. If that's true, if salvation comes to Israel by obeying the law, then Moses just became a self-righteous Pharisee who's trying to impress God with his right living. It means that God is trusting that the people can live up to his standard and earn their forgiveness. Okay, well, that, no, it's not that. So here's, here's what many of you say. Well, Israel was saved by following the law, and then when they didn't follow the law, they would offer a sacrifice for sins. Wrong. If that's true, they didn't need a Savior because they already have a system that works perfectly, where they could earn their own righteousness. Follow the law, 
and then offer a sacrifice, earn their own righteousness. So how is this giving the law, these commandments here, consistent with the God of the Bible that says it's not a result of works, it's a result of believing in God? Here's the truth. The law is only meant to be a response to faith, to believing. Let's go back to Exodus 14, verse 30. Going right back to the Exodus. It's just happened. The sea has just closed over the Egyptians. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people, you get this, feared the Lord. And they believed in the Lord and his servant Moses. So God is not giving them a law and say, if you believe this, I will, or if you do these rules, I will count you righteous. Here's what's happened. He's calling Israel to believe in him so that they could be counted righteous. And then he's telling them, now, out of your belief, here's the way I want you to live. The response for salvation has always been believing God. For Abraham, for us, and for them right here in the middle. The response is to, or the, the salvation comes through believing. The response is obeying the law. That's why right before God gives them the law in chapter 20, <coughs> excuse me, it said, and God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Hey, Israel, remember me? The one who saved you? Remember me, the one who delivered you, Israel, I will fight for you. I'm that God. I will bring salvation. Believe in me. And now that you believe, here's how to live. So here's a marker, a signpost. What's the point of the law? Trust in God. Believe in the providence of God. Israel, here's a law. I will fight for you. I will save you. I will sustain you. Israel, shut up and believe me. And so he gives them this first command, which the first command is, have no other gods before me. All the other commands in the Bible, every single one point to that command. It's the most important of all. Here's what God is telling Israel. Have no other gods before me. Israel, I am your God. I will sustain you. I will fight, to fight for you. Put nothing else up there. And so when he gives them the law, remember the Sabbath, Sabbath day and keep it holy. Like take one day off. Here's what he's saying. Israel, remember I am God and don't make work your God. Don't make accomplishment your God. When he tells them, don't commit adultery, here's what he's saying. Israel, I am your God. Don't make sexual pleasure your God. Don't make the chase your God. Don't think that a new partner will, make, will become that which will satisfy you. I'm your God. Put no other God before me. When he tells them, don't steal. Israel, don't make stuff your God. It's a really crappy God. Israel, trust me. I will fight for you. 
And that's why Jesus comes on the scene. They ask him, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Out of all the commandments, what's he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Believe in him who sustains you. That's the greatest command. But here's how Israel messed it up. Instead of the law being a signpost to tell them, trust in God, here's what the law did for them. Here's what they made the law do. Instead of that signpost being trust in God, he will fight for you. Here's what they said. Here's a bunch of rules. I got to trust in me. And Jesus shows up to these Israelites who have been following this law and these Pharisees who, man, they have the law down. Like they followed it to a T. And he blows up their system and says, guys, you've missed it. The law was never about the law. It was about God. The flaw of Israel is they made the law the point. Instead of the law being this signpost that says trust in God, they flipped that sign and it said trust in me. When the whole time that signpost is there to say, Israel, trust me, I will sustain you, I will fight for you, I will save you. The point was never the law. So what do we do with the law? So many of you are like, well, sweet, that's the case. Like that whole do not murder thing, my, my, my uh, neighbor's driving me crazy. And now that that's not there, no. Here's a, right, the, he's going to say, believe in me, and here's the way I've commanded you to live so that life works best. Here, the law is, this is for your joy and the flourishing of those around you. Hear me, guys, the law is good. And as we follow the law, we will have joy in our life and flourishing of others will happen around us. Give me an example. If the law would have been followed, there'd be close to 50-some people that still, had, that still were alive with their families today from Vegas. But because one man said, no, I don't care about God's law, that was done. If we would follow the law, I would no longer have to sit across from a young girl who's had a man violate her. If we would do what God would call us to do, I'd never have to sit across from a young man whose dad never said, hey, I love you, I'm proud of you. The law is good, but the law was never meant to make me righteous. Believing in God is what makes me righteous. The law is meant as a response. So here's the deal. Like, I'm going to meditate on the law. I want to read it. I want to think about it. I want to pray about it. I want to measure my life according to it. Where does the commands of God in my life not match up? Okay, I need to take my life and make them obedient to the commands of the Lord. That is all good. But here's what happens is we take the law and we say, okay, if I do these things, I will be right with God. Wrong. We've missed it. Because all we do is we take that signpost that's meant to say, here's the law, trust in me. And we flip it and say, trust in God. And we flip it and we say, no, here's the law, trust in me. So if you're like me, and this is why I'm so passionate about this, I grew up, for years, and here's what I heard. Don't drink, don't have sex, don't cuss, and you'll be a good Christian and God will be proud of you. You know what the common theme there is? It's all based on what I do. And I missed it. And instead of the law and the commands being there to point me to Jesus, I flipped it 
and it pointed me to me and how, I, how well I live those commands. And I know, because I've talked to a bunch of you, I know you're sitting out there right now. And your Christian life is trying to measure up to get God's approval. And here's what God would tell you today. I will fight for you. Trust me. I will sustain you. I will save you. Shut up. If there's one verse in the Bible that just destroys this signpost of pointing to us, it's Romans 3.20. Here's what it says. By works of the law, no human being. Now, sometimes the Bible gives a little room for interpretation. Not much room there. No human being. So he didn't say, for some, for some people, you know. No. no human being will be justified in God's sight. Did you hear that? Through works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. That includes us, and that includes the Israelites right here at Sinai. Through the law comes knowledge of sin. Keep that up there for a second. By works of the law, Israel was not, made just, was not justified by God. They were justified as they believed in God. Works of the law proved that belief. Here's what I want you to do today. By works of the law, no, take out human being and write your name. I will not be justified by works of the law. Because if I try to do that, what happens? Knowledge of sin happens. Here's what happens as I try to justify myself, as I realize, oh, I didn't do that very well. So the purpose of the law was not to drive them to themselves, it was to drive them to God. So let's walk through Israel's journey. They've got these plagues that happen, and Pharaoh says, okay, get out. The whole point, signpost, Israel, trust me. They walk into the Exodus and the, to the Red Sea and the sea parts, and they walk through, and the Egyptians get smashed behind them, a signpost, Israel, trust me, I will fight for you. They walk, and all of a sudden they need some food, and God sends food, Israel, trust me. They get to water. They need water. God sends water out of a rock. They drink. Israel, trust me. They get to the law, a bunch of commands, and God says, hey, Israel, trust me, and then live this way. And for us, the point of the law, the point of the commands, the point of the Bible is to drive us to Jesus, that we would trust him. And here's what I know, and I've got to talk to a, a uh, a young lady after the, the service last, last hour that just got destroyed by this in a really beautiful way. Here's what I know. Most of you are guilty because of your lack of doing what you know you should do. That's most of you. And you come to church every week, and here's the things you think. If everyone else knew the things that I had done this week, they would not accept me. And as God looks at me right now, here sitting at church on a Sunday morning, Sunday morning, God's thinking, really, you're here after you did that on Tuesday? Really? And you're measuring your acceptance of God based on how you follow a list of rules. You have flipped the sign and it said, your righteousness will happen by following these rules, Daniel. There's a quote that I say all the time. 
and I've talked to people, it's true. Most Christians, not some, not a few, most, most of us, are guilt-ridden and insecure. Does that just describe you? Because they believe their standing with God is based on the most recent religious performance. So we believe if we would just be better Christians and follow this law a little bit better, God would approve of us more fully. And because we can't obey the law, here's what we say, well, I suck. And we hide in guilt and shame. Romans 3.20, by works of the law, no human being will be justified. And God would say to you today, stop. I'm fighting for you. So Jesus shows up to a bunch of Israelites who have been following this thing and they knew they couldn't do it and they had a system of oppression that pressed down people who didn't follow to a certain standard and Jesus shows up and here's what he says to them. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all of you who have been trying to measure up to make God proud of you, and I will take that burden and I will tell you, stop. I will fight for you. I will save you. I will sustain you. Just shut up. Let's wrap it up. First Timothy says this, verse 8. Now we know that the law is good. Remember, the law is good. It's not bad. The flaw came in how we used it. We know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. So there's a good way to use the law, and there's a bad way. Understanding this, that the law is not laid down or given for the just. Okay, let's stop here. Let's make sure we understand this. He says there's a good way to use the law if we use it lawfully. But the law was not made down, laid down for the just. The law was not given to people who say, oh, yeah, check, I got that, check, check. That's not who the law is for. You ready? Who's the law for? The lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. Like you got, you got to think of listing things like whatever else. Is your life messed up? Welcome to the family. Because the law was not given to a bunch of people that thought they could, man, look at me, I've kind of got my stuff together. That's not, you missed it. The law was given to people who know, I could never do that. You're right, trust God, he can. And he would send Jesus who would, fulfill the law perfectly and die. And the whole point of the law is, law is to drive you to Jesus, not to yourself. So if you came in here this morning condemned with no hope because look at all the bad things I've done, you've missed it. You've missed the law. And you've said, you know what? I've done a bunch of bad things, therefore I'm condemned. Here's what you said. I can't measure up. And God's saying, good, you never were supposed to. 
Here's the purpose of the law to say, man, I've got sin in my life. I've got to trust God. That's why I need a Savior. I have sin in my life. I need to repent of that and live the way God wants me to live for my joy and the flourishing of others. That's the point of the law, not to make you righteous. So here's what we're going to call you, what we do every week. Believe in Jesus and trust him and then repent or turn away from the things that don't give you more of him. Meaning, now follow the law because you believe in him. Here's the deal. All of you believe in God. That's why you're here today. I do not doubt that you believe in God. You have this intellectual thing. Well, yeah, I have faith that I believe in God. Okay, great. Satan believes in God. Here's the question. Do you believe God? There's a difference in believing in God and believing God. I can believe in God and then try to do a bunch of things to get to that God, or I can believe God who said, I will fight for you, I will sustain you, I will save you. Do you believe in God or do you believe God? Because if you believe God, when God looks at you right now, I don't care what you did this week, when he looks at you right now, he says, they are saved because of my son. I love them because of my son. When God sees you, he doesn't see your sin, he sees Jesus. That's the gospel. And the law is supposed to be a signpost to turn you back to him. So as we receive communion this morning, as you walk up, may that practice, may it remind you, may it be a signpost to you. As you take the bread and dip it, may it be a signpost and says, trust in me. Trust in my provision. Don't try to make your own. May you say that to yourself, God, I'm trusting in you. As we dip the bread and the juice, may we remind ourselves that we are not made righteous by law keeping, made righteous because we have faith in Christ. And let that be a marker and a signpost to you. And I pray that you would have rest for your souls. Let's pray together. God, thank you for these markers, these signposts in your word. And God, I needed to hear them all today. May we rest in you. May we trust in you. And may the law and the commands be a marker, a signpost to point us back to you. I pray for the people out here that have been trying to please you for their entire life and have always fell short. I pray that they would see that they were never meant to please you by their behavior. They would simply believe in you and trust. I pray that the law today, the commands, the Bible would point us to Jesus, our perfect Redeemer. It's in his name we pray. Amen.